Hello again, and welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing, episode 524. This is the weekly show about slow flowers and the people who grow and design with them. It's all about making a conscious choice, and I invite you to join the conversation and the creative community as we discuss the vital topics of saving our domestic flower farms and supporting a floral industry that relies on a safe, seasonal, and local supply of flowers and foliage. This show is brought to you by slowflowers.com, the free online directory to more than 880 florists, shops, and studios who design with local, seasonal, and sustainable flowers, and to the farms that grow those blooms. It's the conscious choice for buying and sending flowers. Thank you to our lead sponsor for 2021, Farm Girl Flowers. Farm Girl Flowers delivers iconic burlap wrap bouquets and lush, abundant arrangements to customers across the U.S., supporting more than 20 U.S. flower farms by purchasing more than $9 million of U.S.-grown, fresh, and seasonal flowers and foliage annually. Discover more at farmgirlflowers.com. Thank you to Rody, an on-demand delivery company offering affordable, same-day, and scheduled delivery with a network of friendly local drivers who handle each delivery with care and one-on-one support from a designated account manager. Rody guarantees a smooth and reliable delivery experience from pickup to delivery. Sign up for your first delivery at rody.com slash slowflowers and use our promo code slowflowers, that's one word, to get $5 off. In celebration of our Slow Flowers podcast's eighth anniversary, we launched our new live stream video format, calling it the Slow Flowers Show, with the goal of sharing the faces and voices of our members, as well as tours of their farms, their shops, and their studios. I have a very special treat for you today. Earlier this month, I traveled to Missoula, Montana, where I gave the opening presentation to the Montana Cut Flower Workshop. The conference planners asked me to share a national overview of the insights and forecasts for the Slow Flowers movement, including flower farming and floral design trends. Immediately following my presentation was Julio Fritas, a longtime Slow Flowers member and owner of The Flower Hat, based in Bozeman. Julio originally entered the floral world as the designer of phenomenal weddings and events, but that path led him to flower farming. He shared the how and the why and how that all happened in his lecture, which he graciously permitted me to record to feature today. The Flower Hat is a floral design studio and flower farm located in Bozeman, Montana. In Julio's very short season, he grows thousands and thousands of beautiful flowers for use in dozens of weddings throughout spring, summer, and fall. The farming side of his business originated on an 1,800-square-foot parcel when Julio couldn't get his hands on the quality of botanicals he needed for design work. Over the years, that growing space expanded to one-quarter acre, including leased land, to accommodate the flower hat's demand for more flowers. Today, the flower hat occupies five acres in Bozeman, Montana. I'm excited for you to hear from Julio about his approach to selling flowers to fellow florists. I know it will be beneficial, and if you're a florist, you'll learn a thing or two about how to source from local flower farmers. And if you're a grower, the tips Julio shares are priceless. I'll have links for the flower hat as well as the full video of this presentation in today's show notes for episode 524. Let's jump right in and get started. (laughs) 
Um, my name is Julio. If you're wondering why it's not Julio, it's because I'm originally from Brazil. It's a hard J because it's Portuguese, so I just make it complicated for everybody else. Um, I am a flower farmer, and there's a laser. <gasps> oh, get the cats out. Okay, so how do I go forward? Oh, there it is. Um, I'm a floral designer first. I've been doing floral design for about 11 years now. And I decided to grow flowers out of necessity. Um, I remember a very specific incident on um, the 4th of July weekend where I had a wedding that was whites and peaches and blushes, if you remember that color palette. And then I had a friend of mine in town who also had a big wedding, and it was also white speeches and blushes, and we both ordered from the same company. Neither of our shipments showed up on Tuesday, or Wednesday, or Thursday, and we kept tracking it, and our sales rep was like, no, I'm tracking it, I am on it, I'm gonna call FedEx, and I'm gonna make this happen, and you cannot make it happen because it's in the hands of FedEx, and when they don't wanna put it in the airplane, they are not gonna put it in the airplane. Um, so I decided that there should be an easier way to do it, and then, not only I figured that I could grow some flowers in Montana, I also found out that those flowers were a lot better than anything that I was getting uh, shipped in. So um, I started growing flowers about six seasons ago. I don't remember when that is, but it's six seasons ago. Um, I also teach workshops now. Um, my workshop is called Designing with Locally Grown Flowers. Um, it's fascinating to see what you can actually um, grow in the state of Montana. If, you, if you've ever talked to somebody that is not from here and you say that you grow flowers, I guarantee you they ask you if you have a greenhouse first and they, when you say you don't, because I don't, uh, they, then they ask me like, what can you possibly grow in this climate? There's a lot that you can grow in this climate and very well. Um, so I've been for the last six seasons trying to figure out what that is so I can incorporate that into my floral designs. Um, so I have a workshop in the summer where we go through the business of weddings and how I incorporate uh, local flowers into that business model. And I also sell bulbs like Sandy said, I have a Dahlia tuber sale, usually late winter, and then a fall bulb sale that starts October 15th, and that's my business model. Um, I don't, I probably, I put this slide here, but I obviously I'm talking to a crowd that understands why you should, why local flowers are much better than anything you can get shipped in. Um, I'm going to be talking about the business of selling to florists. You can take this in any direction or angle that you want to. If you are a florist in this room, maybe you see it from the opposite perspective of buying from farmers. If you are a grower, that already sells to florists, maybe you can see this as how I see that transaction happening um, every season, um, but just understand that this is um, my perspective on it. So when I talk about colors, when I talk about quantities, pricing, that is the reality that I see happening with me and the flower hat and the farmers that I work with and the florists that I sell to, because I probably forgot to mention that. I also sell flowers to florists, um, and that was one of the pivots of COVID-19 when Deborah was talking about so many businesses pivoting to adjust to, the, to our new reality. Uh, that was one of the things we did last year. We 
flipped that switch, and then we started selling flowers to um, a wholesaler. And um, I don't know if anyone knows Skyline in Spokane, Washington. And um, I sell to a couple of other florists too. So just know this is how I'm seeing it. You might just have to adjust a couple of things about it, but that's basically the, the gist of this presentation. Um, but local flowers are better because they have better quality. Um, I have a couple of slides there. People always ask about vase life, how long flowers last. I have a very interesting slide for you coming up. Um, they have longer vase life. As a flower farmer, you are able to provide florists with much more interesting elements, and I'm so glad that Jennifer brought this arrangement here. Thank you so much for doing that. Like you have, I apologize, I'm gonna destroy our arrangement. Um, Jennifer came to one of my workshops last year too. But you will never be able to find this from a wollsailor. I don't know what it's called. I think it's called Penny Crest. Um, Green Dragon. Green Dragon, okay. You'll never find this from a wholesaler, not even at this stage. As a florist, I would love it if it's this gold, beautiful, almost dried, dead looking. For a, Because I am a wedding florist. As a retail florist, you'll probably want this more in the green shade when it's a little fresher. As a farmer, you have the ability to control the stage that you're selling your product, specifically this one, because depending on who your client is, they may want it at a different stage where if you're buying from a wholesaler, they only have it in green, and it will never be at this stage, and you can charge more for this because you're waiting more time, you're basically selling time. So um, providing your florists with unique varieties is definitely one of the benefits that you have over um, selling to florists, and I lost my clicker. Oh, it's right here. Um, and you are part of the local economy, which we obviously know this is how we're making money if you're growing flowers. Uh, if you're growing your own flowers, um, that's how you pay your bills. And there's nothing better as a small business owner to be supported by your uh, community. And hopefully you can pay that forward by supporting other local businesses as well. Did I just turn the whole thing off? No. Okay, so this is the interesting graph that I wanted to show you. Um, does anybody know Washington Floral? Um, yeah, so uh, Steve and I have a very close relationship. Um, he and I have many deep conversations, like after hours, like I call him just to check in on him, how are you doing, and then he calls me and blah, blah, blah. So we have had many deep discussions about uh, sourcing in the floral industry, and this is truly how flowers get to me. And just an FYI, I also order flowers in mostly because I cannot grow everything I need and I cannot find everything that my weddings require. Locally, if I could, I would, but I order some in and then supplement with local flowers. So Steve and I had a long discussion about this. So I did this backwards when I did this schedule. I get the flowers from Steve this Monday. He ships it on Sunday, but he received it that last Friday. So it just sat in his cooler for two days already. Um, it came out of Miami in a truck that left Monday. He received it on Thursday, but his shipping day is Monday, so he can't just FedEx it to me. He could, but then I have to pay FedEx shipping, carbon footprint, all that stuff. The flowers were shipped from Miami this, like, seven days earlier, but they were cut seven days before, so literally all the flowers that I'm getting on Monday are 14 days old by the time they get to me. And then they still need to last from here 
to here, to this Saturday, which is when the wedding is. So as you can imagine, none of us flower growers in this room would ever sell flowers that have been sitting in your cooler for 14 days, unless they're dried and then they wouldn't be in your cooler. But <laughs> this, is, this is the local difference right here. Um, there are so many, there's just so much involved with shipping flowers in. And with COVID, and Deborah talked about this again, like with COVID and the supply, I'm seeing so much on Instagram, people saying there are no white flowers right now available, support your local farmers. This is, this is really important for you to understand and stay up to date on these, um, on how COVID is, we're talking about COVID, but it's important for you to understand how you fit in this puzzle that is local flowers because your florists in your town, they're hungry for flowers. Whether they can get them because of COVID or not, they still want local flowers because they have clients that are relying on them to provide them with the best flowers and those are local flowers not the ones that are 14 days old by the time they get to them. Now, this is shipping from South America. I also get flowers from Holland. And I order directly from um, the big um, Dutch auction. It's the largest Dutch auction, the largest flower auction in the world. And I decided to pay more for shipping to get it to me instead of ordering through Steve. That will add another four or five days in this um, timeline, but even then, the flowers that I get on Monday were cut seven, eight, nine, ten days before I get them, and the best case scenario is if I water flowers that came from California, they are still seven days old by the time they get to me. So many people in this room who are flower girls providing flowers for clients, you know that you cut it today, you deliver it tomorrow. So that's the best timeline that as a florist I can possibly ask for because I know that those flowers are going to last much longer than anything that I can possibly get in. And just to, just to, just to go back here, these flowers, they call it dry packed. No, they're just out of water. It's just a fancy name to say your flowers are dehydrated by the time they get to you. Like four or five days out of water, oh, one, seven, eight, nine, nine days out of water in a box. God knows what's happening with them while they're in that box. Now, just um, just to talk about shipping, I wanted to raise my hand when Deborah was talking. Um, I figured out that cargo is the best way to ship flowers. FedEx, UPS, um, I don't know if you guys remember Mother's Day of last year, there was a big um, Grace Rose Farm, um, farm girl flowers, farm girl flowers, farm girl flowers, they couldn't, ship, they couldn't ship their orders to, for Mother's Day because FedEx said, nope, we're not going to take them. We're already, they call it um, bulked out, the, the plane bulked out, meaning like they can't fit your box anymore because it's too full. Um, I'm figuring out that cargo is probably the best way to ship flowers. Um, if you want to ship flowers and you want to look into that, great, but if, if you can find a market in your town that you can support, I think that would probably be the best bet and stay with the local flower movement, but sometimes you have to do what you have to do. Um, all right, so many conferences that I go to speaking and talking about, you know, what market you can supply flowers to. You could do farmer's market, you could do CSAs, you could do picks. 
you could do florists. The first question I always get is like, how do I approach florists? How do I find florists? Do I show up with flowers? Do I send an email? Do I send a text message? I think the first thing that you need to do is find the florists in your area. Google them, ask people. Most people are gonna be online. Um, if you just say florists in Missoula, Montana, a bunch of people are gonna show up. Before, before you even send an email, before you even show up with flowers, really dig deep into what that florist does because there's two types of florists. There are florists that do retail and they'll send happy birthday arrangements and funerals. And then there's florists that do events and weddings. And those two florists are very different. They, they, they require very different product. And the, the best example I can give you is brown lisianthus. If you're doing farmer's market and you're growing brown lisianthus, you're probably gonna get some people looking at your flowers and saying, why does your flower look dead? But if you go to a wedding florist with brown lisianthus, you can charge $3.50 a stem and they cannot get enough of it. It's a very different mentality doing flowers for weddings where everything is whites and greens and neutrals and muted and muddy and whatever color they decide to give it that year. But if you're doing flowers for people that are sending flowers for, you know, like happy flowers, happy birthday, I'm here to encourage you, or I just wanted to brighten your day, you can't brighten anyone's day with brown lisianthus. That just doesn't happen. <laughs> so really, really study who you're going to go see, because there's, as a florist myself, there's nothing more rewarding than you not wasting my time. Like, you come to me, you already know what I do, you know the florists, the flowers that I'm usually posting on Instagram, and you can show up and say, hey, I saw that you do a lot of weddings in whites and greens, I just wanted to bring you a sample of what I can provide you next season, or whatever the timeline that you want to give. So important. I'm like, thank you. Yes, I actually have a wedding in whites and greens this week. I can totally use these right now. Let me write you a check. And you're like, no, don't worry about it. This is just a sample. But start creating, cultivating those relationships in a more meaningful way where you actually do understand what they're doing. Because as flower growers, right now is the time when we start getting seed catalogs and you want to order everything because everything is pretty and you even whether you have room to grow all of them or not, you want to grow all of them. And it's so overwhelming, and I've gone through many seasons where I ordered many things that I probably shouldn't have. Um, and this understanding who your client is is going to help you dictate what your field looks like. Perfect example, I just hosted a class for six people on my farm. My field is not colorful. My field is not a show field. Sure, I have $6,000 out there. That's great. Because that's mostly what our business is at this point. But these ladies walk out there and it's white, white, peach, white, green, and white. There, there's an entire bed of flocks and they don't understand why. I'm like, because this is how I make my money right here on flocks. I cannot get enough flocks. I grow so much flocks every year because I need so much of it. And if you don't know which flocks it is, it's this one. Uh, there's cherry caramel and then there's creme brulee and they also smell really good. I can never get enough of this. I grow so much of it and they're like, oh, okay, well, that was fun. Like, fun for my bank account, yes. <laughs> um, so, if you want to have a show farm where you have people come over and they can cut and have fun and have that beautiful experience, take photos, post on Instagram, you're probably going to have more flowers that you would sell to a retail florist versus a wedding florist. We want like, we want interesting whites. We want like 
fluffy things and like agrostema is probably my favorite example like I can never grow enough agrostema I use so much agrostema in white it, it's insane and I can sell it to florists if I want to there's so much of it always between agrostema and flocks those are probably the two things that I use the most um, but going back to how to approach your florists um, the thing that you have to keep in mind is that a lot of if you're a florist in this town, you know you're busy. In this room, you know you're busy all the time. There's no Monday, Friday, they're always busy. So sometimes as a farmer, you don't want to intrude in their schedule either. So sending an email is usually better to introduce yourself. An email is a great way for you to show, oh no, not to my laser pointer. Um, I would usually send an email in the off season because you don't have anything to show in the winter, but it would be a great way for you to start establishing that relationship for the following season. Unless you have a bunch of dried flowers, then bring me dried flowers. Um, you can use the opportunity to send an email to include links to your website and Instagram and say, here's what I do, click here, you can check my portfolio on Instagram of what I've grown, or this is my website, you can just keep in mind for next season. Um, and then at least they, even if you don't have the flowers, at least you have a visual to show them. And if you learn one thing today, one thing, write this down. Take time out of your day, I don't care how tired you are, how sick of flowers you are that day because you work in the heat, in the rain, the cold, take photos of everything. You, you better off having thousands of photos to shuffle through to show to that florist than go back to your photos of the summer and realize that you don't have a single flower of a dollar that you can show them. Take photos of everything. My staff really hates me for that. It's a busy wedding day on a Saturday. We're loading up three U-Hauls, trying to get out of the studio. And I'm like, wait, 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 wait. Grab one centerpiece so I can photograph. And they're like, no, we don't have time for that. And I'm like, no, don't worry about it. We'll have time for it. Just photograph everything with your phone. There's no excuse. You don't need a fancy camera. Photograph everything. The only lesson, if you learned today. Um, okay, you can also explain your ordering process. We're going to talk about ordering processes later. Um, and then offer to bring a sample of flowers. If you're emailing in the winter, you can do that in the spring, first thing in the spring. Um, entirely up to you how you want to work out that um, um, timeline. But if, it's, if you're emailing them in the spring and you have tulips, like, sure, by all means, like, offer to bring them some tulips. Um, but if you visit in person, it gets, it gets fun and it also gets really tricky because if you show up on my farm, on my studio on a Thursday or on a Friday, I don't have the time to talk to you and then you wasted my time and then you wasted your time. But if you show up on a Monday, sure, I can probably have a talk with you because I'm just, like starting to unpack flowers and I'm probably harvesting my own and I'm trying to figure out what else I need for the week. Um, Mondays are usually a good day to visit wedding florists. Um, you can drop your business card. If you make an appointment, which would probably be ideal, that's great, but if you don't make an appointment, don't expect the florist to make time for you at that time. Just say, hey, my name is so-and-so, I run this flower farm, I just wanted to drop off some flowers, here's my business card, let me know what you think of them by the end of the week or whenever, and you can follow up with an email the following week, like, hey, I dropped off those flowers, just wanted to see how they worked out, but if you just come unannounced, don't expect for them. Expect them to have time for you because most likely they won't. And no offense to you, it's just because we're all busy. Um, 
So be mindful of schedules. And then one of the things that you can do if you make an appointment to introduce your product and always bring flowers if you do make an appointment to make an impression. If they are a wedding florist and you see that they use a lot of blushes and eucalyptus, and if you're growing eucalyptus, I don't know if you can grow eucalyptus here, I don't have the time to grow eucalyptus. But if you see that they use a lot of eucalyptus, then you're like, I have the best eucalyptus you'll ever see. So here it is in this bucket. Just bring like a sample of six bunches of something and then that's it. Yeah. Um, but if you do make the, uh, the appointment and they say, no, come on in, let's have a chat. I want to see what you're growing. That's the best time for you to confirm all the things that you saw online in your research about them. Um, ask them what their season is. Um, like tulips are probably the best example of that, tulips and daffodils. My season doesn't start, my wedding season does not start until June. So for me, if you have tulips in March and April, you're no good to me because I can't use them. I don't have an outlet to use tulips that early in the season. But if you have ranunculus later in the season, like I always try to do, then yes, like bring that in because I'd love to know where the local source is for ranunculus because I know they're going to be better, they're going to be bigger, they're going to be more beautiful. So just understanding the, like your season and how it fits in their season because the bottom line is like if you're if you're growing things that florists around you cannot use, there's no point in putting effort into that. So for example, there's no point in putting effort into tulips if you can grow hardy annuals in that same space and you can have larkspur, you can have sweet william, and you can have like hardier plants that will bloom earlier in the spring but after Mother's Day. Um, okay. So this is this is a generalization. I know if there's a florist here, you will probably say this is not true. None of this is true. This is just a generalization to start giving you some food for thought as to what you could grow, what seeds to buy um, for your next season. But retail florists are usually looking for bright and happy colors. Those are the two words that come to mind to me. They're trying to make sure their arrangements brighten somebody's day. So again, no brown lisianthus, but you can definitely grow zinnias and you can grow um, like sweet william, you can grow calendula, you can grow ranunculus, they will, they will love you for that. That's what they're looking for. Um, retail florists usually have year-round sales, which is, goes back to the tulip. If you're selling retail uh, flowers to a retail shop, they will probably appreciate your tulips when they come on, but as a wedding florist, doing weddings in June, that just doesn't quite work. And if you're wondering like, what are you doing the other months if you're only doing weddings between June and September? There's more business out there. Like we're planning for those for those weddings. And the thing to understand with wedding florists in Montana is that we only have four months to make money. So there's a lot crammed in that wedding. Um, so one of the florists that I sell flowers to is uh, Moms in Whitefish. And I texted her and I said, Kara, what colors do you need this week? And she said, just send me anything you have. I have 28 weddings this week. Wow. Oh I'm like, okay, all right. So I just got everything I could and just sent it to her because she can use anything. So, but like that's her busy season. So the other months we're just planning for weddings where retail florists have cons somewhat consistent deliveries throughout the entire year. Um, if you're selling to event florists, I mean, that, that looks it looks dead like it looks like there's no color but that's what these clients want for weddings that's what you know if you're thinking like farther into that um process of doing weddings this is what publications are looking for like i just got published in over the moon yesterday it's a blog it's a wedding blog the entire wedding was white 
and they loved it. They couldn't get enough of it. I'm like, yeah, like, it's just whites and blues, like light blues, but that's what weddings require. That's what wedding um, clients want. So the thing to also remember with wedding florists is that we don't care about stem length. So a lot of the times we have all these big, um, big, long, straight, tall stems. Like we don't really care about that because we chop all that stuff down to make centerpieces. Sure, if we're making a big, tall installation, then yes, like a conversation should be had with your um, florist as well, what they need. But for me, like short stems, I don't care. Wonky stems, I don't care. Like they're all like they make this thing that make the arrangement look really pretty. So then I don't have to try to figure out how to make those curves and how to make those lines. Like chocolate lace is probably my the best example in this arrangement. Um, but we are seasonal. So if you if your wedding florist is not doing weddings in the winter, we are very seasonal. So just keep that in mind. Um, just to give you a visual of what a retail florist would look like versus a wedding florist would look like, this is when it comes to mind um, the whole conversation about what grows well in this area. So you, obviously we can grow zinnias here, but instead of growing the salmon, large salmon ones, grow the little Cinderella ones. Doesn't matter if they're singles. I know everyone hates them because they're not, not always doubles. I don't like the doubles, quite frankly. I prefer the singles so much more. Florists cannot get enough of this. This is not something that gets shipped in. So if you're selling it to them, it stays in water the entire time. It goes from your farm to the bucket, from your bucket to their centerpiece. It always stays in water. Vase life should not be a problem. Um, if you're growing lisianthus, you can grow purple lisianthus for your um, uh, retail florists, but grow like the, this is Voyage Champagne, I think, or light pink. Um, really pretty. You can grow yarrow. This is terracotta. Um, you can buy plugs for this. Really pretty. It's orange and it kind of turns to yellow. Really great vase life. Dries really well. But I'm probably looking for more whites and blushes for, for weddings. Um, Cosmos, same thing. That's Rebenza. There's Rebenza in this arrangement too. But Psyche White is probably the one you're going to sell the most. Not even the doubles. Probably Psyche White. And then dahlias too, obviously, like you can grow, there's an assortment of dahlias you can grow. Um, but florists, local florists, we're really looking for cafe au lait, white, that's it, and burgundy. Burgundy is also another one. Oh, and grow chocolate lace too, oh not chocolate lace, chocolate cosmos. That's a really hard to ship flower. Um, I usually have to buy 200 to use 50, so. Um, but locally they grow great. Um, and not to advertise for anyone, but Maybe you have better luck than I do, but you can find the bulbs from uh, like Ball or Glockner or whatever they are now, I don't know. But you can find the bulbs for 50 cents. You get what you pay for. I bought them. They never grew. So what I do is I just buy the plugs from SelectSeeds.com. They cost $7 a plug, but they work every time, and you definitely get your money back. What flower was that? Chocolate Cosmos. Okay. And they smell like chocolate, too, and your floors will be like, oh my god, they do. And you're like, I know. Uh, this is a very basic list of um, things uh, to me as a florist um, that I think would be good sellers for you. Um, what you will notice though is that there is like there's dahlias for retail florists, there's dahlias for event florists. Again, these are dahlias in hot pink, purple, oranges, yellows. These, cafe au lait, blizzard is a great white dahlia. 
and RJR is a great white dahlia. Uh, they're both ball. Um, so it, you'll just have to uh, modify the colors that you're growing. Grow zinnias, yes, but grow binary salmon for one, zinderellas for another. Don't waste your time on white zinnias, by the way. They're not. They're white, but they're not great. They don't look, they look dirty. Um, I'm putting this here. I fell in love with this Sangisorba. Uh, it's Sangisorba, I think it's officinalis. I don't know how to pronounce anything, but it blooms um, July 4th. Um, I sold every single stem I found, uh, I could harvest. Um, if you can, f you will not find seeds for this. You will have to find plants. Florists love it. It's a, t it's a tiny little um, berry. It looks like a mulberry, but the plants, they get, the stems get so tall, probably four feet tall. Um, it's really great for weddings, and they last forever. They dry great. And, sorry, um, Agrostem is another one for florists, just creating white. There's a white and a purple. Ocean pearls is the white. The purple just looks terrible. No one should grow that. <laughs> no offense to the breeder, but it's terrible. Um, what do they look like? Oh, do I have it in here? Well, I do, but it's it's that. <laughs> so, I don't I don't know what it look. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And you can harvest basically the whole plant and just sell that as one bunch. Um, all right. Um, so handling sales. This is this is how much time do I have? Ten minutes. Okay. Um, this is this is the most important part to me besides taking photos, which is still the most important. Um, handling your sales to your florist is probably the. To me, it would be the biggest hurdle I would have to overcome. You have to make it easy. And there is no other way to make it easy at this day and age but with e-commerce. When you send an availability list as an email, I will receive that email. I'm just going to wonder, how much of that do you have? Sure, you can put your quantity in that email list or in that email. But then, I don't know if five other people ordered the same thing. Let's just say you say, I have 10 bunches of sweet peas. Great. I want 10. But then I don't know how many people responded to the email before me. So I have to wait for you to respond to me with your availability and say, well, I only have two now. I still need 10 bunches of sweet peas. I still want to buy 10 bunches of sweet peas. So it, and then it becomes this back and forth thing. It can take three days to finish a transaction. And then... Once you fulfill my order, you're going to have to take the time to go back to my email and figure out what my final order was, and you're going to have to rewrite that whole thing again in an invoice, and you're going to have to send an invoice, and then you're going to have to wait for me to pay you. It is so much time. I don't have the time for that. My best advice for you is to invest in some e-commerce. Now, when I say e-commerce, we all shake, because like, what does that even mean, right? Like, I don't, I don't do websites. I don't do any of that, but there's some really great and easy tools that you can use for e-commerce. My number one solution to everything in my business is JotForm. Take photos, make your e-commerce easy, JotForm. You can create anything you want in JotForm as far as order forms go, or just forms in general. 
They can connect to a PayPal account. They can connect to your Square account. They can connect to many credit card processing um, uh, companies. What you, what you will have to do is put a lot of work up front. The more work you put up front, the easier it is for you in the end and for your florist in the end, and the more sales you will have. I guarantee you that. If you take the time to load up your inventory, I'm just going to use Drop Farm, but if you want to use Shopify, great. If you want to use Squarespace, great. If you need to have somebody help you with that, I promise you it will be worth it if this is the avenue that you choose to sell your flowers through, or meaning if florists are your target. I'm just going to say JotForm, but when I say JotForm, just know it can mean any, any other platform you choose to use. Equid is another great one, E-C-W-I-D. It's another great one, super easy to use. Uh, but I use JotForm for most things in my business. If you take the time every week to load up your inventory with those photos that you took, you load your inventory up on Wednesdays, let's say you open up your sales on Thursdays, you have to have photos of everything because we buy visually. We very visual people. Like your, um, like your your idea of a peach ranunculus can be very different than my peach ranunculus because to me, peach and salmon are very different. And I may need both. If you have both, I may buy both. But sometimes I just need peach. So if you have photos of everything that you grow. On your website, it sounds like a daunting task, but guess what? You only have to do it one time, and once you take a photo of that orange dahlia, you can just say orange ball dahlia. You don't have to say Jawi Nikki, Kamano Buzz, Cornell Bronze. Like, you don't have to do that. You can just say orange dahlia ball, and then you just load them all up in there. The more work you put up front, the easier it is. So as a florist, I know that you're gonna open up that website on Thursday morning, and I'll be ready. And I'm just going to go in there, click, 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 click. I want seven bunches of this, three bunches of this. And then your website, once you load that up into job form, for example, job form will tell your client, no, he does not have seven bunches of foxglove. He only has five. I'm like, great, I already know he only has five. So I'm just going to pick five and I'm going to check out. And then I'm done. And then you're done. All you have to do is print that form and fulfill that order. You don't have to do invoicing. And then the following week, if you don't have foxglove, you just disable that one product, the picture stays there. If, you, if it comes back next week and you have more, great. You just enable it again and you tell people how many you have. It's fascinating just how much money you can make just by being visual. The reason I'm saying that is because that's how I sell my Dahlia tubers. If you've bought Dahlia tubers for me, you know I, there's a picture. Me holding a big armload of them, like I know it sounds really cheesy, but it sells. There's a, uh, there's a close-up, and then there is a picture of them in the field. Those are the three shots I have of most of my dahlias, because I know that people are going to buy with their eyes first. And if you can do that with your flowers, I think you're going to have a great return on all that time that you put up front. And then next year, when you grow those same flowers again, guess what? You don't have to load new photos. They're already in there. You can use the same photos. It's just so much work up front, but then it just makes the whole entire process so much easier. There's no back and forth in emails. You can have a note section at the bottom that says, hey, if you have any specific requests, put them here. I always say, like to people that I order that do this system, I always say, hey, I also need five bunches of something with a texture in white, I need four bunches of this. And then they just show up, like magically, they just show up and they're like, here you go. And I'm like, great, thank you. I don't have the time to go back to the bucket and say, mm, I don't need that. Like it's texture, that's great, it's gonna be fine. Um, 
just just make that process easier for your clients because your competition is the people in Holland who have their, their website figured out. It's the people like it's it's the wholesalers that you're competing with. So not only you have a better product, but if you make that process a lot easier, there's very little chance, so there's very little reason why they would go to a wholesaler versus your own flowers. Um, we can have a whole conversation about e-commerce for hours on end, but <laughs> just look into job form to start. It's really easy and it's free to start. Um, the other thing that I will say about selling to florists is we fit in your schedule. You don't conform to ours. Like you can't conform to all these florists' schedules and hours and when they want delivery, when they don't want delivery. Some people want delivery when they're open. No, 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 no. You you create the rule and you educate educate them on how you operate because you have to be able to function as a business on your own and you can't have everyone dictating it how you do it. So you tell them, I'm going to open the website. Sure, if you want to send an availability list and it works for your clients, great, go for it. But you tell them, I'm going to update this on this day. You have until this day to order and I'm going to deliver it on this day or have it ready for pickup. So to, I think like most farmers will do a, a list on Thursday morning. You have until Sunday to order for Tuesday delivery. That's a, like a normal, a usual timeline of how the ordering process works. Um, if they want to pick up, great. But schedule a time, like, hey, can you come between like 7 and 10 so I can have all these buckets out the cooler because I need to move on with my day. I need to fill that cooler up again with more flowers. So just make, make those rules. Don't let people um, dictate how you operate. Thank you, guys. Thanks for, thanks for coming. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you listen to the audio only of this episode, I encourage you to visit the show notes at deborahprinzing.com for episode 524, where you can also see the slides that Julio shared during his presentation. You'll also find links to his social places, as well as ways to sign up for his newsletter, which means you'll be the first to learn about the fall bulb sale that starts in just a few weeks on October 15th, and details on Julio's 2022 workshop series. I've also added a link to my past interview with Julio when he appeared on the Slow Flowers podcast several years ago, and a link to the PDF of a feature about the flower hat workshops that appeared in the January 2020 issue of Slow Flowers Journal for Florist Review. And you can download it in our show notes for free. Okay, our next sponsor thank you goes to flowerfarm.com, a leading wholesale flower distributor that sources from carefully selected flower farms to offer high-performing fresh flowers sent directly from the farm straight to you. Find flowers and foliage from California, Florida, Oregon, and Washington by using the Origin Selection Tool in your search. It's a smarter sourcing. Learn more at flowerfarm.com. Hey, just a little news to share with you about Bloom Imprint, our book publishing division of Slow Flowers. We have just posted pre-ordering for two new books out later this year. You can find the link in today's show notes to pre-order A Life in Flowers by Holly Hyder Chapel, which will be released at the end of October. Be inspired by Holly's story and learn all about her floral design, her innovations, her mentorship and community building, and Hope Flower Farm in Virginia, where she has established a center for floral education. 
You can also pre-order Felicia Alvarez's new book on growing garden roses for floral design called Growing Wonder, based on her roses and workshops. This is the only rose book developed with our Slow Flowers community in mind because it is focused on rose selection, cultivation, harvest, post-harvest care, and crop management for cutting gardens and flower farms. Growing Wonder will be released in January. And if you're over at bloomimprint.com, you can also order my signed copies of our first book, Where We Bloom, featuring 37 Slow Flowers members perfect for the gardener and flower lover in your life. A final thank you to the Association of Specialty Cut Flower Growers. Formed in 1988, ASCFG was created to educate, unite, and support commercial cut flower growers. Its mission is to help growers produce high-quality floral material and to foster and promote the local availability of that product. Learn more at ASCFG.org. Thanks so much for joining us today. The Slow Flowers podcast has been downloaded more than 767,000 times by listeners like you. Thank you for listening, commenting, and sharing. It means so much. As our movement gains more supporters and more passionate participants who believe in the importance of our domestic cut flower industry, the momentum is contagious. I know you feel it too. I value your support and invite you to show your thanks to support Slow Flowers' ongoing advocacy, education, and outreach activities. You can find a donate button in the column to the right at deborahprinzing.com. I'm Deborah Prinzing, host and producer of The Slow Flowers Show and The Slow Flowers Podcast. Next week, you're invited to join me in putting more slow flowers on the table, one stem, one vase at a time. The content and opinions expressed here are either mine alone or those of my guests alone, independent of any podcast sponsor or other person, company, or organization. The Slow Flowers Podcast is engineered and edited by Andrew Brenlin. You can learn more about Andrew's work at soundbodymovement.com. Mm-hmm.